Mic check, mic check. Listen up, people. This show is uh, special to me. We're going to have the one and only Jamie Kilstein on the show. Hilarious, spoken word poet, comedian, jujitsu practitioner. You know it's going to be ridiculous. If you're in the corona chaos, this is what you need to hear. But before that, make sure you follow my boy at the Jamie Kilstein. Or if you tend to like jujitsu, like I like jujitsu, love jujitsu, like I love jujitsu, follow at Rear Naked Radio. Rear Naked Radio. This show, bonkers, front to back. Teacher, what style is that? Yella, he is the best. He rocks the crowd on a DMX when he's on a beatbox. He cannot miss. So listen to the beat when he rocks like this. You don't remember that song, huh? That's called World Class by the World Class Wrecking Crew by one of the greatest to ever do it, Dr. Dre and Clientele. Hmm? Go look that up on Spotify. Go pull that up. The real people who really are from that era and get down with West Coast hip hop got that 12-inch remix. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. That was a straight banger. I will put that against any rap group of its time, any rap group of its time, and say that it was one of the best ever. And I knew that Dr. Dre was going to be one of the greatest before then. See, I'm not one of these, oh, I just got down with 2001 Chronic. Oh, I just got down when your Chronic came out. I, pss, before NWA, bruh. Hmm? I was down with this West Coast stuff way before you, which is fine. I ain't mad. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed to be young, so you're not really knowing what's going on. Come here, let me dust you off. Have a seat. Let me get you a beverage. Anyway, thank you for listening to FarsideTV.com. You are locked in to Side Life Radio. And as always, I am your host, Adisa the Bishop, a.k.a. the Black Dragon of the West Side, a.k.a. Zato Ichi, a.k.a. the South Bay Shogun, a.k.a. The Iron Hook Assassin, a.k.a. the Black Cortez Killer. That's right. Ain't nobody really to me, homeboys and girls. So you can be down now or you can bow down later. Because the West Coast OGs, they stay greater. Yes, they do. Bishop Chronicles is the world's first podcast giving you West Coast perspectives on hip-hop, health, and fitness trends. Mm. Ain't nobody out there lacing your cranium with this here vibranium like Uno Nuno. Me, Adisa the Bishop. You understands? That's how we roll. So I just want to thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you. And if this is your first time listening, your time. Uh, yeah, uh, nice to see you, sir. Ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. 
If this is your first time, understand that this may not be the best thing. But it show enough is the West thing. But it show enough is the West thing. But it show enough, show enough, show enough, show enough, show enough is the West thing. Yeah, I need a band. I don't need a band. I got Mike round, boy. He'll tear this whole thing down. Y'all lucky I don't even set him loose on y'all. Yo. Speaking of Mike Realm, go to SoundCloud and look up Rhymes with Africa and listen to that Toto hip hop remix that he did. Psst, boy, Mike the Bomb. For real. Uh, I watched the mix on live, was blown away, and I'm so glad he put it up on SoundCloud. Rhymes with Africa, Mike Realm, SoundCloud, make it happen. Do yourself that favor and rock your body, body, rock your body, body, rock your body, body, rock your body. Do not forget. First of all, why am I telling you to don't forget, blood? We cool. Come here, blood. Give me that pound. You know what? Thank you for the new subscriptions on Mixcloud. Thank you for the new subscriptions on YouTube. We just getting on YouTube and and we're starting to build our audience. It's super brand new. We put all, well not all, but a bunch of the past shows on YouTube. Um thank you for the new subscriptions on iTunes, specifically iTunes. It means a lot, man. Uh appreciate you. Please continue to rate and comment. Please continue to rate and comment. We need more ratings. We need more comments. We appreciate you. And as always, please take this show or show that you like from before, like the Bruce Lee show, Half Gracie show, Eddie Bravo, you know what I'm saying? The 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 Nipsey Hustle, the Juice World show. You know what I'm saying? Like pass it on, man. You know what I'm saying? Women in hip hop, pass it on. Just one show to one person. You know what I'm saying? I want this community, right? The BCP army to be authentic. I don't want to be one of these people that got a bunch of followers who don't really rock with them, don't really know what it is and aren't really engaged, man. I'd rather have fewer listeners who were real like y'all than have a bunch of fake ass listeners. So I appreciate your subscriptions. I encourage you to keep subscribing, right? And to encourage others to do it. And I thank you. Um, on somewhat of a somber note, man, um, So there's a book on the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, it's by Martin Lings. It's called Muhammad, His Life Based on the Earliest Sources. And there's a chapter called Deaths and Marriages. And um, they talk about how uh, after a particular battle, uh, Prophet Muhammad returned and had to bury his daughter, Rukaya. And it's funny because I've told you Unfortunately, I've lost some really good people this year and um, I just lost another one. You know, this is why my faith in studying Stoic philosophy is so important to me and studying Sufism is so important to me because, um, look, man, it's COVID time. Okay. I've already had some people close to me that have had this. And so far, everybody I know who has had it has beat it. And so... I'm grateful for everyone who has lived through this, but you see the numbers. This disease is still tearing up the planet, right? That's why we're all in quarantine. And um, in an unrelated note, right, there's still other people dying because dying is what we do at some point, right? So uh, I want to give a sincere shout out to my man, Philip Colas, a.k.a. Professor Pitt, you know? He was a Tai Chi practitioner. He was 
the creator of an underground hip hop kung fu film in like 2000. I think it was like 2000 when he made this. Uh, he's working with the homie Rick Pruitt. Professor Pitt introduced me to Rick. And I mean, I was in it. Um, I think some of the high road dudes was in it. Um, DJ Kubert was in it. And it was like, Professor Pitt was this dude from Milwaukee, man. Um, shout out to Milwaukee. Um, and so, you know, he just recently passed away in Los Angeles. He was also a great harp player, which was a trip. Um, I don't know a lot about harps and I can't say that he was some kind of, you know, supreme master at it, but I know he played it well. I think somebody, I think Rick told me that there was a video of him on Vimeo doing the harp, uh, known as Philip King in that particular clip. But like what he did for the Bay Area in terms of promoting and hip hop in general, in terms of promoting this fusion of hip hop and martial arts was no joke. And in fact, you know, he was really good at weapons. And like you ever seen the 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 the, the rope dart? You know what I mean? Where it's like a long chain with like a, a like in 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 Kill Bill. Remember the the girl who was fighting uh, Uma Thurman's character with that ball on the chain? Like he knew how to do that, man, and he was great at it, you know. And then another time, shout out to my man Green Mile. Shout out to Megatron. Me, Megatron, and Professor Pitt were all extras, as was half of Oakland in Matrix Reloaded, and. Um, there was an immense amount of downtime, you know what I mean? And it was weird to see the psychological impact of sitting around for hours with other people, especially other creative people, especially creative people with massive egos who think that being an extra is going to make them a superstar immediately. And it was really weird. But one of the things that happened is me, Pitt, Megatron, and some others who actually trained in martial arts, we, we, we kind of clicked up and hung out. And there were some other dudes who thought they were live. And one dude said that he did Tai Chi. And so they were going to do this push hands competition after dinner. <laughs> Woo! Where the dinner's lit. Anybody who was an extra in the Matrix, raise your cup. Food was lit. What? Halibut? Right, like stacked up on each other. What? Anyway, those meals were off the chain. What I'm saying is Professor Pitt was demolishing anybody who said that they did Tai Chi with the push hands. He was wrecking fools. Man, I'm going to miss you, Pitt, brother. I, I miss you. I appreciate everything that you taught me, everything that you share with me, working out, exchanging techniques between Kung Fu and Jiu Jitsu. Like, that's what we were doing. And 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 I appreciate you, man. And may God bless you and your family. And I'm, I'm, um, I'm especially, my heart is with, with, with your children. Much love. And that brings us to the next section of the Heart of the Beat of Parapsa. Heartbeat Props. Where we give love to the living while we're still here and they are too. First, I'm shouting out Sheena Lester, old school editor at Rap Pages. She was my editor for hella years. I met her at um, UC Berkeley. I met her and WC. That's right. WC, fool. Uh, at UC Berkeley at a hip hop symposium, we became cool. She got me writing at the LA Sentinel black newspaper. And then when she got to rap pages, like, man, like so many articles that I wrote, 
the first article I wrote on hip hop and martial arts, rap pages. The first article ever done on hieroglyphics, rap pages. Um, first Bay Area overview of the hip hop scene, rap pages. She opened that opportunity for all of those things to be written. If you've enjoyed a lot of my early writing, that's where it came from. It, be, it was because of her, because I wrote for the source first and then it was rap pages, you know what I'm saying? And um, so she and I just reconnected and it was great talking with her and and you know she's really wise and Sheena I just wanted to thank you for um not just being like a friend of mine for a really long time but honestly for being a mentor for being a guide for me in this space of writing and um so much of what like just thank you for for trusting my ideas and giving me a space to share them within the hip-hop world and you know what um there has never been another magazine like Rap Pages you know what I'm saying um, that was just such a great time, such a great publication. And I'm grateful, um, to all the people that I met through writing for rap pages and all the opportunities I got not only to make money doing what I love, which is writing, but to learn from so many amazing people. When we talk about women in hip hop, she's like frontline straight up. Like when it comes to the industry and the culture, like she never gets enough shine. And she should. So that's why I'm making sure she gets in these heartbeat props right now. I'm also going to give a shout out to my boy, Solo Flex, way back, early HHCF um, supporter, dope MC, and just a real big fixture in the Oakland hip hop scene and the Bay Area hip hop scene for hella years. He just reached out recently, been really reconnecting with a lot of my old extended family in this hip hop world. And I'm grateful to you, Solo, bro, for just, you know, being down the G that you, you've been, you know, for so many years. Appreciate you. And finally, actually, my next heartbeat props is for Kobe Loading. I talked about him on the last podcast. I gave you his wrong IG. It's at Kobe Loading. I did the 2.0. That's the wrong one. Go to Kobe Loading and check out my bro. He be roasting fools. He be making me laugh hella much. Kobe Loading's what's happening. Make sure you get at him, bro. Like, these are times to make sure you make time to laugh because the world is so bonkers. And now it's time for the West Coast Word of the Week. Brought to you by the streets. Be safe out there. We're going to talk about two different things. This is real Wes. Raise your hand if you had murder ones. Murder ones. Raise your hand if you had lokes. Well, see, I'm blind. I can't wear I can't wear uh, cool eye gear because I can't see. I'm actually blind. Um... But murder ones and lokes are sunglasses that real G's used to wear out here. You know what I'm saying? I even, <laughs> I saw murder ones are listed in the, in the urban dictionary. First person that I knew that wore murder ones was my boy AK Black, also known as 12 Gauge back in the day. Huh? Put a fist up for Double Rock. One time. Yeah. So. One thing I noticed, though, if you go online and you look up Murder Ones, a lot of times you just get directed to Lokes. And the difference between Murder Ones and Lokes is that Murder Ones are um, like a, 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 a smaller rectangle. You know what I mean? Smaller rectangle on the Murder Ones. 
So don't come out here wearing lokes, acting like you got murder ones on or doing the opposite because you're just going to look like a clown. You know what I'm saying? Find a real OG to show you what's up. And why do they call them lokes? Because it makes you look loco, ese. <laughs> Simon. Come on, Cardinal, let's go. Going to 25th admission for that beef burrito. Man, that salsa. Hmm? And a quesadilla. Corn, please. I grew up on that, blood. Get off me. Straight up. Now, today we're going to talk about the chess and life strategy of the day. Um... I told you I have two other books that are sequels to Bobby Bruce in the Bronx available on Amazon now, Kindle and paperback, um, that deal with the with the fusion of chess and life and the, that the back half of that book is worksheets for you to work through these ideas. I encourage you to do it, seriously, because right now more than ever, you have never needed chess more in your life than right now because most of the structures that you've grown up on, and I don't care whether those are government structures, social network structures in your neighborhood, even your family structure. Things are dissolving, collapsing. There are new things emerging. A new you is emerging right now. And you need to play chess right now more than ever because it's going to teach you strategy, strategos, a Latin word, the root word of strategy, which means leader of the army. Well, guess what? Pretty much unless you're the American military or you're an active, validated gang member, there is no army. You are the army of one. There's very little you can rely on and you need to have clarity about how you think, move, act, what you eat, what you don't eat, drink and don't drink, how you're going to survive for real. Like in terms of job stuff, in terms of your love life, in terms of your education, you are in charge of all of that. Until further notice. Really, it's always, that's the really truthy truth. But right now, you can't avoid it. Before COVID, you could. And so the, the, the strategy of the day is a little advanced. I'm going to start talking about a lot of stuff that's not in the book, right? So this is going to be Chess and Life 2.0. This thing right here is important. A lot of times when you move your first pieces out, and you should always make sure when you start chess that you move five different pieces out the first five moves. That's kind of a standard thing. Right? You don't want to keep hopping your knight around first five moves. Keep moving one pawn forward first five moves. Move five different pieces out toward the center first, first, first opening in the game. Now, there always comes this point where somebody's going to take somebody. And this is why supporting, like if you have a knight out, try to support it with a pawn or a bishop or whatever. When you put your pieces out, you try to have them be protected by other pieces as you move you need that team connectivity right but at some point somebody's going to attack you and they're going to want to take what you have when they go to take what you have right sometimes you can back it up right which sometimes you got to do right uh one of my biggest mistakes in chess till this day is i like to exchange sometimes because sometimes that exchange gives me the illusion of progress but really i'm just giving up pieces without purpose it's okay to give up things with purpose, but not without purpose. And so um, sometimes what you got to do is if someone wants to, you see that they're going to attack something, rather than run or evade, you can step up to attack something else. See how bad they want it. They may back up themselves. 
But if you play a game of consistently retreating or not protecting your pieces, um, you're going to come up short. So I want you to think about when you see somebody getting ready to attack, sometimes the best thing you can do is a mutual attack. See how bad they want it. Because once they know that you'll fight back, they might be the ones to retreat. That will give you the opportunity to now do a proactive attack or improve your overall position in a situation. You know what was missing from last week's show? And I apologize. The haiku. A haiku is a Japanese poem. I'm addicted to haikus. A Japanese poem of three lines. The first line is five syllables long. The second is seven and the third is five. So it's five, seven, five. It does not have to rhyme, but the syllable count has to be accurate. And, you know, I continue to look at the skies. Oh, was it the Daily Show? No. What's Trevor Noah's show? I was watching Trevor Noah's show because I don't watch that much TV. And he was showing how um, a city in India, which has just the ugliest, thickest, throat choking smoke and smog, has significantly gotten clearer of the skies out there. And you can look anywhere you want and see the oceans are 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 cleaner. You I think was it was it in Venice, Italy, where the the dark canals over there are now way blue and there's like dolphins in them sometimes. Isn't that beautiful? So this, you know, normally when I do my haikus, they're about jujitsu or stoic philosophy, or they are about, you know, uh uh all kind of stuff. In my upcoming book, a Dead Man's Diary, uh, half of my, my, my new book is, is, is actually haikus that are themed out between like romance and, and um, I have a certain set of, of haikus that I've, that I've done based around my relationship with my children. And then I have uh, another set of haikus around jujitsu and stoic philosophy. And so this is one that is just um, for the earth. This is a haiku for the earth. All right, Mike, I'm going to need some rain and some wind, right? I want as many elements of nature in this as possible. And um, for this one, we're going to be sitting in a grass valley. Yeah. Light rain. You can feel it on your face, in your hands. And not far from where we are. Not far at all. A young boy sitting next to a big fire, like a bonfire. Where we're roasting marshmallows. There's a boy practicing his flute. And now the haiku begins. I see falling rain. Earth replenishing itself. I will do the same. Whoo, stop playing. I know you want to hear that again. Yeah. I see falling rain. Earth 
replenishing itself. I will do the same. Yo, that's what I'm talking about. The earth is replenishing itself. We are built to be in line and in accord with nature. And if the earth is replenishing itself, replenishing its seas, replenishing the nutrients that's in the ground, replenishing the air that we breathe so we can breathe cleaner air, we need to be in tune with that. We need to be in sync with that. We need to be replenishing ourselves, our own mind, replenishing our own body, replenishing our physical and our spiritual hearts, replenishing our actual physical brain and our global consciousness. So I really want to kind of jump into what I'm reading. I've been talking about it for a while, but I'm loving this book. It's called The Method, The Practical Path to Living Your Purpose and Potential by Dr. Tracy Thomas. A fantastic book. I know it's hard mentally on a lot of you. I'm an introvert. I don't care about living like this right now, but I know it's hard. I want you to get this book, The Method, The Practical Path to Living Your Purpose and Potential by Dr. Tracy Thomas. It's a great book. I met her on, you guys remember, if you listen to the Camp Tazo episode, go listen to that. That is a very inspirational uh, episode, not because of me, but because of what I observed. But Dr. Tracy Thomas, I was lucky enough to sit to on the flight to New York, on the flight to Shaolin. You know what I'm saying? This book's amazing. When we talk about replenishing, when we talk about re-upping, nobody knows what the hell they're fixing to do. Very few people know what they're going to do going forward. So this is the time to take stock of what you've experienced, try to make sense of it, and step forward with the best you can bring. Okay, so shout out to Dr. Tracy Thomas. I'm trying to get her on the show. Stop playing, Dr. Thomas. Come through, Dr. T. Um, no, uh, she actually said she's down. We just have to figure out the, the tech, the logistics. And in the spirit of replenishment, I'm going to remind you to go to my blog, hiphopchess.blogspot.com, hiphopchess.blogspot.com, and get the recipes. I'm not selling them. This isn't what I'm selling you. This is what I'm telling you to go look up Musashi Mindset Tea as well as Cloud Scroll Tea. So when you go out shopping, you can get the ingredients and start using these teas not only to calm your nerves authentically, but to help you relax and to help your immune system. Musashi Mindset Tea is actually um, antiviral and antibacterial. So uh, please look into that, you know, please look into that. And now, man, I'm so juiced. We get to sit and talk with <laughs> my dude, Jamie Kilstein. What? Follow him at the Jamie Kilstein. You can also follow him at Rear Naked Radio. All jujitsu related hilarity. At Rear Naked Radio. Met this guy through Josh Waitskin. Josh Waitskin? You mean the guy from Searching for Bobby Fischer? Yes. Josh Waitskin is not only just a fantastic chess dude. He's one of the first, the first, hardcore, real chess community person to support Hip Hop Chess Federation. All right? And he connected me to Jamie... Um, and a lot of cool people, like, you know, my man Sean. Huh? Huh? Sean McClure, shout out. Belated 
Heartbeat props to Sean McClure for being a G. What up to Kentucky family? You know what I'm saying? But Jamie is a well-known guy in the comedy circles. He is a well-known guy in uh, jujitsu circles. He, he, you know, Josh was training with Marcelo Garcia. Josh Waitskin is not just a chess master. He is the first uh, black belt under Marcelo Garcia, who is like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, mixed with a little bit, just a little bit of Jordan. Hmm? devastating devastator um and we're talking about his journey in jujitsu his journey in comedy his journey in music and you've got to hear this guy it is amazing we also talk about mental health we talk about losing love and looking forward again we talk about real life right like i'm not uh any of these mainstream dudes okay and I'm always going to be 120% honest with you about where I'm at in my head and my heart. I'm always going to be honest with you where I'm at with my health. Um, I gained like three pounds. I was doing great. I was slacking this past week. I've been bothered, like some kind of anxiety. I wasn't really working out like I should. I definitely like leaned off my cardio and my diet. Like I didn't, I kept my intermittent fasting windows, but I didn't really, mm, I wasn't conscious or as conscious as I could have been about what I was eating. I didn't eat anything reckless, but I could have been better. And so these are the kind of conversations that you're going to have. I have lots of different kinds of people on the show. Look at last week's show with Dr. Suad. Very different than everything you're about to hear. Everything. Which would be very different than the show coming. Which should be very different from the show before that or the show before that. I'm trying to bring you... A snippet of the diversity and beauty of all the stuff that life has to offer. Not just me, but you. And I hope you're inspired by this conversation. I hope that you um, are strengthened and smile and laugh a little from this conversation. Sometimes people be like, yo, like that, that, that coronavirus episode you did, like you were all upbeat and hype and da-da. And I'm like, yeah, I'm upbeat and hype because I'm upbeat and hype anyway. I may not live through this. You may not live through this, but it's not my job to make you hella scared. It's not my job to start quoting all these numbers and have you freaking out. That's CNN's job. That's MSNBC. That's Fox's job. That's whatever your local news people are for. I'm not here to pump fear. I'm here to help you enjoy this moment through the fear, through the death, through the tragedy. I just told you I lost one of my homies, man. I've lost four people. That's a person a month right now. All right? That chapter from this book on the Prophet Muhammad, right? By Martin Lings, the chapter, Death and Marriages. Yo, man. It's about finding our joy through all of this. We got to find what Tupac say with Scarface, smile. We got to find ways to smile. Okay, we're here now. I, I can't stay up late not sleeping because I might get corona. I doubt I'm going to get it. I think I already had it, if I'm honest. But you know what? If I got it, ain't nothing going to stop me from smiling today or the day I go. 
All right, this is about joy, and Jamie Kilstein is hilarious. He is funny, he is wise, and he is human. He shows you who he is. And if anything, if I if I ever convey anything, please just be the person you naturally are. Because we're all going to kick the bucket. We're all going to die. And I I want us to live fully as we are, to be loved by the people who naturally love us as who we are. I don't want to deal with fake love. I've endured too much of it through the course of my life, and I'm sure you have too. So don't be a fake lover of other people, of this podcast, but mainly yourself. No more time for fake love. Enjoy this. Jamie Kilstein, Bishop Chronicles, Farside TV, West Side all the time. Peace of the planet. Look, man, you know that I always try to bring you like the dopest people. Like, like, like I'm bringing this dude that I've been trying to be down with for hella years. I'm, I'm like on some fanboy stuff. And you'll be like, why though? Why though? But then after you, you hear him. And you peep him and you 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 know you'll 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 be just like me. Jamie Kilstein is on Bishop Chronicles, man. Man, I was even like, why though? Go on. This is amazing. Uh, I have so many dad nah, issues dude. when you no. were saying that. I was like, fucking <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is great. I mean, okay, so tell the people from Bishop Chronicles who you are. Uh sure. So uh uh, I, I guess I was the most known for stand-up. Uh, I dropped out of high school at like 17 um, to start stand-up. So I've been doing stand-up for like 20 years. Um, host a podcast uh, called the Jamie Kilstein Podcast, which is like a comedy thing. But we talk about mental health and art. And yeah, not to brag. Here are my credits, guys. Uh, depression, anxiety, tried to kill myself, um, codependent. Do you see why, do you see why I relate to him? Do you see how I relate to this guy? <laughs> uh, Jiu-Jitsu to silence the voice. Voices, play music. Uh, yeah, I've been in bands. Like I've, I've done music stuff and ranty stuff with like Talib Kweli and Moby and Bad Religion. I've uh, been doing jujitsu forever. Um, I don't know. That's I make weird little videos on Instagram news and uh, now since I've been quarantined, which is actually like the, my favorite thing I'm doing. Uh, and that's kind of the yeah, gist of it. Quarantine's kind of turning out awesome, dude. Yeah, uh, but pretty much I've done every job that like would disappoint your parents. Like I tried to be a professional wrestler. At one point, bro. Like I did you really? Yeah, of course so I did. Tell me, um, <laughs> tell me, tell me how you how you fell into that, and how how uh, what, what was your general experience? Well, with wrestling, you know, it's funny. Like the people who grew up on wrestling love to talk about it and like nerd out because I used to love it, but it actually ties into this sort of. M- the the place where I'm at with and, and and you're the perfect person to talk about it. So before I found jujitsu, when I was kind of taken off in stand up, I was just a fucking mess. I was just eating gross. I was out of shape, um, smoked, mm-hmm. drank a lot, all that stuff. Then I find jujitsu, and jujitsu gets me feeling like an athlete for the first time in my life. And I started when I was like 28. So I started pretty late. So I'm competing at like the best school in the world with like 19 year old Brazilians who are there to like support their family. And I'm just like smoking cigarettes on the way there. So it's like a long time of just getting like the shit kicked out of me. And so I had a phase really recently where I like walked away from stand up for a bit. I got off social media, everything. And I felt like I failed with music and music was kind of the thing I cared about the most. Mm. And I threw myself into jujitsu. And for the first time in my life, 
at 34, 35, um, I technically had like a boss, but it was cool because I was teaching and I spent so long like shouting self-righteous political shit. Uh, You know, most of it that I still believe, but I was kind of like an online douchebag about it. And so so teaching jujitsu and being around athletes, it was the first time that I felt like I was actually helping people. Like I was actually helping kids. I was actually uh, helping people who were afraid and like becoming more confident. And I, and I had this moment where I was like, you know what, maybe this is the life. Maybe I just want a studio mm-hmm. apartment in LA. I'll teach jujitsu. I'm, I'm, I'm giving back, you know, and so on. And I love it. And it changed me. And it was the first time that I wasn't hanging around artists, which means it was the first time I was hanging around uh, confident people who, you know, if, if I ever took like a Tony Robbins book to a comedy club, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Like you can't talk about, like, <laughs> you can't talk about meditation and trying to get, I mean, R- Rogan's trying to change that stigma, but you know, for the most part, you're not really talking about self-improvement at comedy clubs you're shitting on things and with jujitsu i was finally around all these positive people who used uh, you know a positive self-talk and all this stuff meditated shit like that and so but then i got depressed because i missed creating things and the thing is like i'm Mm. such a fucking addict that i want to go all in at the thing i'm doing so if i'm doing jujitsu i'm training twice a day like i'm a 19 year old if i'm uh uh, playing guitar again i can't just play guitar for fun i have to be like practicing every day and like looking up new techniques and writing Mm -hmm. songs and i gotta put it online and maybe i should call that record producer i used to know and like all this shit's happening and so in a weird way it just hurt too much. I thought professional wrestling would be this balance because I'm like, all right, it's like hot people who have to keep themselves in shape, but they're also fucking theater dorks putting on tights, right. pretending to punch each other and there's heroes and villains. And so I kind of just thought that would be the balance. Uh, it lasted like, you know, a year, but uh, professional wrestling is like the microcosm of my weird life. And in theory, like that's what it could. That's what it looks like in my mm. brain is what the WWE mm-hmm. looks like. <laughs> Was it hard on your body? Dude, hurt infinitely more than jujitsu. I am, my hips are like permanently injured from that and not jujitsu. It hurts. Even Dang. the things you think are going to be light hurt like i knew that the (laughs) ring would hurt you just had to land the right way but the ropes are made out of fucking elevator cables so when you run again when you see guys run against the ropes and they actually stretch the ropes out you are launching your body like it looks like you have lashes your first couple weeks like you're launching yourself shirtless in a bunch of fucking tightly wound elevator cables uh it is horrifying and i'm I'm so glad i did it because i like proved to myself that i could do a bunch of scary shit like launching yourself outside of the ring when like i'm afraid of heights dude i don't go on step ladders and so like getting over all those fears to like do something you like grew up watching was like dope yeah i still i hope my other shit gets famous enough where i can do like some kind of like celebrity match or like commentary or like some like WrestleMania special guest shit down the line. That would be hot. That would be hot. Now let me ask you. Yeah, please. You know, like um, we we met through, 
you know, mutual friend, Josh Waitzkin, I think, because you both trained at Marcelo's. Oh, was that? that yeah, I was trying to figure out how we met. But yeah, that makes sense. I think that's how we met. I think it was Josh Waitzkin, right? I mean, that and makes sense. Hip Hop Chess Federation was new. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. I mean that certainly makes and me sound cool. So let's just say, yeah, Josh Waits can call it on my behalf. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know, <laughs> come on, dude. Yeah, absolutely, you know. And it makes me sound cool too because yeah, we dude. both know Josh, and yeah. that's what makes us cool. Yep. All right, um, peace, guys. See you later. <laughs> we're gonna hang up now, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're both very cool. Bye. <laughs> that's the that's the apex of the show. And good night. <laughs> um. So so like. You know, you, you know, obviously I, I, I love Marcelo Garcia. I don't think, I think it's hard to be in jujitsu and not love Marcelo Garcia. If not for his jujitsu, how nice he seems. Is he really that nice? Tell the Dude, truth. What if? He, he kicks you in the neck when you're in the room, huh? What he's if like, he, yeah, yeah, okay, guys, go train. And then the camera goes up. He's like, fuck you. Like, start stomping what you guys. What if he is no? just a fucking monster? That would be the most depressing thing. Yeah, man. Every <laughs> time I talk to him, he just keeps saying how he wants to invade Iraq again. It's so bizarre. Um, he's really just dead set <laughs> on war. We got uh, to return. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got to keep, keep going back. There are still more of them. And I'm like, Marcelo, what does that mean? <laughs> Very racist. It's super upsetting. So he's really nice, right? He's, he's really nice. Best. Is he that nice? I'm like, yo. He has changed. I am a nicer person because of the school that I went to learn violence at. Like, I. Oh, wow. That's a T-shirt. <laughs> that's a T-shirt. Someone But continue. That. If you don't make a T-shirt out of that, I will. Dude. Because that's awesome. But I continue. love hanging out with musician friends. Like, you're such a hip-hop guy because I said that line. And I was like, that was a dope line. And you heard that line. You're like, that was a dope line. <laughs> and I'm like, you have, this, you, you, have, you have ways of, like, taking out, like, sort of, like, uh, semi-literate poetic sentences uh, just within conversations, yes. which is, like, cool. Uh, so, yeah. So, Marcelo, like, I am a nicer person because of him. Like... There could be over a hundred people in class, visitors, people he doesn't know. And before class, he comes in with the biggest smile and he shakes everybody's hands. Like I've consistently been disappointed with everywhere I have trained because it's <laughs> not because it's not that. Not even for the jujitsu skill, but like it's just such a warm, welcoming, beautiful um, thing. You know what I love about him the most, and this you can tie it to. Whether it's your chess, huh. your chess listeners, your uh, hip hop listeners, yeah. any kind of artist, jujitsu people, there was this interview with him once, and this is like my favorite Marcelo story. And it was at the peak. So for anyone who's not like a jujitsu person, um, Marcelo is like known as the greatest, uh, like the greatest of all time. And yeah, so, he's like he's like Jordan, straight up, straight up like Jordan. Um, and uh, not even, by the way, like not even like the biggest or most imposing looking. Like he just looks like a dad. And so, um, so he looks is, like your out of town favorite cousin who you don't get to see that often, dude. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like, yeah. he, and like, he knows, like, you see him and you're not like, that guy's gonna fuck me up. You see him and you're like, that guy knows how to listen. Like, he's someone that, yeah, like, he looks like, yeah, he, he looks like he enjoys quality smoothies. Yeah, it, yes. Like, if I was a girl dating, I'd be like, I'm gonna friend zone the shit out of that guy. And then he's a killer. <laughs> He's a killer. And so, um, so he, Dude, he will murder everyone in the room twice before you think you've started. And he's playing sure. and he's playing. He's just, <laughs> fucking, he's not. 
anytime I like kind of made any leverage, I'm like, you're fucking with me. I know you didn't like, I didn't do that. So anyway, so he's given this interview and this is when he's just tearing apart everybody, world champions, UFC fighters, heavyweights, whoever. And they go, you know, why are you the best, essentially? You know, you're cliche MMA journalist. Um, and usually people will say, oh, if they're going to be humble, they're like, it's my camp. Uh, if they're not going to be humble, they're going to say I'm the fastest, I'm the strongest, I'm whatever. Marcelo earnestly goes, because I love jujitsu more. And it was such a powerful statement where it's like, how do you want to get good at music? Fucking love music more. How do you want to get good at music? And jiu-jitsu? do what you love Lo- like you love it. Yes. And so he was like, the only thing, I'm not going to say I'm bigger, stronger, better. I'm going to say I love it more than you. And that was such a fucking like gangster slash zen slash sweet thing to say um where he's like i'm gonna love it more than you and it's so true man because like the times in my life creatively that i've done the thing that i thought i was supposed to do it either worked and then imploded or was mediocre to the point where it never took off and the times i'm like you know what fuck it and this is where i'm at right now i'm like i'm just gonna do what i want i'm gonna do what makes me laugh if i want to play fucking guitar i'm gonna play guitar and those are the times where it's like when you're just playing for the love of it or when you're just training for the love of it that's actually when you're going to put out the The growth kicks in a hundred percent and you're gonna have the best work no it's hella real you know, one of the things that I also think is interesting, not just about Marcelo, but a lot of different people, is this one problem that you see in almost every art. It doesn't matter whether this is music, whether this is chess, doesn't matter whether this is like jujitsu, right? Like, you have guys who are devastating fighters, right? Mm-hmm. And then you say, oh, this person's a fighter. <gasps> Did they open a school? And they do open a school, but they're not good teachers. Right. You know, the thing that really impresses me about Marcelo is how many amazing killers he's made. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? What's really cool is Because you could easily just attribute it to him, as so many people can do, right? But he's a good teacher, bro. Clearly, he's a good teacher. And I think that that's a big deal because there's, there's, um, and I'm going to only tell this. Because this story is, is important because the person who it is is an amazing coach right now. Um, in the old school half Gracie days, everybody remembers that when Dave Camarillo was a blue belt, he could murder a lot of people. <laughs> and I remember I have so many great memories of watching Dave, Cameron, BJ, JD, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Alex. There were a lot of killers. Hannibal, you know what I'm saying? Ichi, right? Like, you know. Dave was a killer, though, among all of those guys, okay? But in his blue belt days, he was a bad teacher. He was a really bad teacher. That was for two reasons. One, he was a Half Gracie extremist, right? right. Which meant, like, he was absolutely trying to embody Half, and and he wanted you to really love jiu-jitsu like he loved jiu-jitsu. And if you didn't, or if he felt like you didn't, or that you couldn't, he was not a nice or a fun or a good teacher, right? <laughs> so then we watch him go forward. We see him, you know, uh, go create guerrilla jiu-jitsu. And I don't know what it was that happened to him, but 
from that day forward, he was a fantastic teacher. And you look at his students and they're all amazing. Right. And they embody this fusion of 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 of, of judo and jujitsu, of 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 attacking in the gaps and timing and understanding that stuff and using uh, 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 you know explosiveness. It's beautiful to see that everybody can't do that. Mm. Isn't it a blessing when you get to train under someone who's an amazing competitor and they're an amazing teacher? That's fantastic, bro. Yeah, and I mean to Marcelo. Shout out to Dave Camarillo. Shout out to Marcelo. Yeah, and well, to Marcelo's credit, too, it's, you know, his English wasn't the best when he came over here. And from what I can tell from how much I know him and I've gotten to roll with him, he's very kinesthetic. Like, a lot of the stuff he can just do by feel, you know? And mm, uh, and right. he can still explain it. And and also, again, it's just that love of jiu-jitsu where he will come over to everybody if you call him like i've gone to seminars that i've paid money like a lot of money to go to and like you barely get to talk to the guy because they just don't give a shit or they're on their fucking phones or whatever whereas like marcelo like even if you don't get that first explanation it's like he's gonna come over to you and fix it and then um you know, again, like a lot of high level guys who charge like 600 bucks an hour for a private Marcelo doesn't really give private. He doesn't give privates. Like, you know, he worked with me once and like he, uh, like when like Damien or like UFC guys come in, like he'll open the gym to them obviously. But he instead will spend like an hour after class, like answering questions and it's like, Oh, he's doing that for free. Like, and so he's just a fucking good guy. And for the jujitsu nerds out there, um, technique wise, he also, I mean, everyone is different stylistically, which is so cool. Like you had like Munch who had kind of more Marcelo style and then Gianni who's all like mm-hmm, Guy Barambolo mm-hmm. shit. And then Mateus who's in Satava who are just like fucking killers. And so it wasn't even like they were I doing remember, I all remember, his I met, style. I met Mateus at, 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 at Metamoris. Right. That's right. That's right. So crazy how he performed, right? Yeah, dude. And Good like, and, but also like, uh, but teachers, I mean, there was a point where I was training there where you had Marcelo who does Marcelo shit. Then you had Paul Schreiner, who's another B, uh, uh, Camarillo. West era, Sayaid, you area. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a really, toast to Paul. What's happening, player? Paul's the fucking best. And he also is very technical, very like Camarillo esque. Like Ryan Hall yes. actually credits, uh, Schreiner for a lot of his game. And then, you had Bernardo Faria, this gigantic, like super heavyweight who for some fucking reason just plays deep half. So like what I love about Marcelo <laughs> is it's not like a bunch of like generals that have to stand in line and like perform oh like God. Marcelo. Like he loves bringing yes. in different styles. And I think that oh my God, really fucking cool. Um, and again, like same with music, right? It's like, uh, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to fucking Anderson Pack uh, this morning and I was like, right. Jesus Christ, there are so many fucking different styles in this song where it's like, okay, that's kind of like right. jazz piano and that's sort of like funk drumming and like, was that fucking Andre 3000 on a, okay. And like, it's <laughs> when you can, when you can like bring in again, the Bruce Lee, I'll, I'll, I'll go Bruce Lee while talking about music, yes. but like when you yes. can again, like take what is useful, disregard what is useless, add what's your own. It's like, you can get some of right. the dopest fucking art, and it also has to do yeah. with like surrendering your ego and not being like my way is the only way. Um, and then you get to make a new yeah. fucking way. So dude, let me ask you on that new way. So you 
came to LA and I thought you were training at Hollywood Jiu-Jitsu and then I thought you went to No Gi. I didn't understand what happened. Uh, Can you break down your journey? I was training. I don't know what Hollywood Jiu-Jitsu is, but I moved out there. Um, no, I, I thought Hollywood was that that guy's that that rent one of Henzo's guys. Oh, okay. Did, so, so maybe it used to be called that. So, yeah. So, what happened was I uh, moved out there. I trained with Cabrini a little bit. I trained with Huron and Henner a little bit. Um, it was all kind of like far away. And I just couldn't find anywhere to replicate Marcelo's. And then uh, I was chilling with Kenny Florian and I was like bitching that I couldn't find a gym. And I was like, can you bring me anywhere? And he was like, yeah, let me bring you to. So, yeah, Sean Williams is who you're thinking of. And he runs. It's right. now I think he used to be a part of something called Hollywood Jiu Jitsu. I don't know. Um, but, okay. it, but it was. Yeah, called, yeah. But and it, I could be wrong because I live in the Bay. So I don't know. Got it. Yeah. So it was just called Henzo Gracie. Uh, Los Angeles and this okay. was right around the time like my life was shit uh, I had a girlfriend but everything else was just like garbage and I went in I had a really good time I did very well uh, he saw that Kenny vouched for me and like literally a week later and I was so depressed man and like a week later um, their fucking like other black belt left and I was like, ran up to him after class and I was like, hey, I'm doing really well against the higher belts. I'm a performer. So in theory, I should be able to teach. Um, and would you want me to help out uh, since uh, yeah. Dane's gone, since this guy's gone? And he was like, yeah. okay. And then that's how I started teaching. And so I'd never taught wow. before. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm a good teacher cause I'm, uh, it, I, I used to tell my students, you need like a balance of like Woody Allen self-hatred and then Kanye swagger where like, I have mm, like just that's a great blend there. Right? That's like, a great blend. I have like just enough, uh, just enough, like confidence to be like a lunatic performer to be like i deserve to be on stage with a microphone but i'm fucking self-hating this shit um so if you can go if you can like keep if you can keep the self-hating above water to where it becomes just being critical and being self-aware and, you know, wanting to learn and grow and get better. And then you can't let the swagger turn into cockiness. It just has to stay like confident, you know? And like, that's usually the blend that works. Um, and yeah, and that kind of, you know, ends like my jujitsu stuff. Like, um, I met a fucking girl as all of my drastic decisions have started. Um, and then we moved to Tucson cause neither of us had been to Tucson and we wanted to get out of LA and, uh, we just picked a city randomly moved down nice. here. And, uh, ever since I left Los Angeles, the entertainment capital, I've been fucking, entertaining more i've been making more wow. videos and songs and writing more and just being creative and dude i heard this wild fucking line um my friend this guy ragunath capo he was on rogan's pretty recently and he was in this huge hardcore band and then he um left to become a monk and he went to India. Like and, a Buddhist monk? Or, yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. A, like uh, a... I, I think it's like... Um, it's Bhakati Yoga. I think it's like a kind of Hinduism. Um, but he went to India. Wow. 
and found an ashram and a guru and all the shit. And uh, he had this line when he was describing one of the reasons he left and why he stopped playing music or, you know, he plays like music, like this amazing, like these chantings of these like kirtans and shit. But um, why, why, why he stopped playing punk hardcore music is um, he said, I was playing to be God, not for God. And I was like, God, holy shit. Like I like was floored by that where this idea of like, I'm playing because I want to be worshiped instead of just like giving my music to, to people and playing for like Mm. this, like higher power. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And I feel like since I left LA, I'm suddenly like, I'm just not like, oh, I got to make this shit that, like, what's going to make my agent call me back? What's going to make fucking... Right. What's going to whatever? And, like... Right. Like, I got off Twitter, and Twitter's where I have the biggest following. I got that fucking blue check mark, and I was like, you know what? Instagram kind of makes me happy, and I had, like, 1,500 followers on Instagram, uh, which is low compared to my other stuff as someone who wants to, like, promote a podcast and all this shit. Right. And... Uh, so I had like 1500, something like that, like before quarantine a couple of weeks ago. And then, and I'm not on Twitter cause it's just like political, toxic, tribal cesspool. It's so, it's so painful, Dude, it's bro. so bad. And so I start making these fucking sketches and some are jujitsu and some are music and some are just weird. Uh, and I've always been afraid to make sketches because I lived in LA and I'm like, well, I'm not an actor. I'm, I'm the fucking comic, uh, Right. And I was like, right. I'm just, and I don't know how to make videos. I don't know how to edit. Uh, I all this shit, and I suddenly started making these sketches. And within like three weeks, I'm up to like six thousand. I'm getting like a, a thousand new fans a week, and they're just people who Dang. like. And dude, these these aren't political. They're not fucking yelling. I'm. They're just these. No, silly, I know they're funny as fuck. Sad, dude. weird sketches, which <laughs> is more my my voice. That's more the voice I am. And then, bro, same thing happened for the podcast. Listen to this shit. So I move out to Tucson, and right. I'm starting to get stand-up gigs again, and I'm not excited about them, but I'm like, oh, well, this is what I fucking do, and um, rent's cheaper out here, so I'm, like, getting by, and my podcast is still political at the time, uh, so I have two podcasts, so one's called the Jamie Kilstein Podcast, and that was, like, political comedy, right. and when I could, I would talk about mental health and stuff I actually cared about, and then right. for the longest time, I've wanted to start this jujitsu podcast. And my agents were like, oh, fucking people don't know what jiu-jitsu is. And like, let, let me try to get you like a meeting with like the UFC, like just the dumb shit, if they even called me back. Um, and then, you know, my girlfriends were like, eh, like indifferent to it, like they are with my jiu-jitsu. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but then I get to Tucson and I go, I don't give a fuck anymore. And I met this guy, Drew, who is a fan of my podcast. And, um, he runs that because jitsu, that like massive jujitsu meme page. And I go, bro, I've right. never met him. And I just go, dude, you want to start a podcast? And he's like, yep. And we start this jujitsu podcast and like, dude, I can tell you right now, this is why I'm like, ever since being out here, I've become like more spiritual and like, I, yeah. uh, if I didn't start that podcast just for the love, just because I wanted to do it, and I just randomly picked right. that guy who I wouldn't have even known online right. if I didn't meet uh, Anthony Burchek, who runs 10th Planet Tucson down here, and if I didn't meet, you know, all these connections, right. I would be homeless right now 
the money we got. I mean, our podcast oh. is only 18 episodes in, but we've had right. Eddie Bravo, Jake Shields, Carlos Condit here on Gracie. We haven't had a guest yeah, y'all that has been crazy. And we're right. not like the comedy guys trying to be funny and like hacky. Like we're being really vulnerable and we're giving really good advice. And, you know, the show's blowing up fast. But the stand-up, all those dates are gone. And the jujitsu podcast, the thing I just did for love, ended up making me the is most. Is the one that's thriving. Yes. And so then I go, you know what? I don't, I'm miserable talking about politics. And I only have 150 patrons, like thousands of people listen to my podcast, but only right. 150 give money. And I go on to Patreon and I go, guys, all I want to do is talk about mental health, funny shit that happened. I want to help you guys fucking love each other or love yourself. Right. I want to like do this. I was like, who will cancel their membership if fucking I stop talking about politics? And all of them were like, that's our favorite part. And so the people who I was listening to because of ego, because I wanted my numbers to look good for who? For fucking me. Right. Um, they right. they're they're not fucking even paying me. They're just like talk about fucking Biden and like whatever. And yeah. so I had to be like, all right, I'm gonna start this podcast for 150 people. And a trick I do is I picture a room because I get sad. Like my numbers dropped. Uh, I mean, they're growing slowly and they're growing for the right reasons. But if I see 800 right. people listen to a podcast, I go, fuck. Because I used to have tens of thousands of people listen. But then what I do yeah. is I picture yeah. 800 people in a room, like in a theater or in a rock right. club. And I go, oh, I'm talking to those 800 people every day and I'm talking about the shit I want mm. and they're dope people yeah. that I actually want to fucking be talking yeah. to instead of thousands yeah. of people who I don't even want to be fucking talking to and I know especially right. now that Bernie dropped out dude there is a market it is the old market I used to be in where if I just scream and yell about Biden and scream and yell about Trump right. like I will get a bunch of fucking angry uh, listeners <laughs> And I just don't want to fucking do that anymore. Um, I just yeah, want to try no, to help people. I feel that, and bro. Like, so anyway, so it's like the, I don't know what the question was, probably about wrestling, but the the the, the answer is, <laughs> um, the answer is, my favorite wrestler is Shawn Michaels, uh, is that if the when I just started fucking following like love, just following being like- right. And, 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 and get the fuck and I got out of LA and I just bought a guitar to buy a guitar. Like everything is falling into place. Dude, you're going to like, you're going to make me leave the Bay, bro. Stop talking. Okay. All right. But there is something about like a fresh start. You know, it's like, it's like, do you remember when like a new girl would come into high school and there was such mystery and there was such like, I still remember my first crush yeah. was a new girl. Yeah. And like, dude, she could have been a fucking loser at her old school. Like she could have been like, so, and she fucking moved here, bought a jean jacket and a beret. And I was just like, this is the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my fucking life. That's hilarious. It's true, bro. Yeah. Good Lord. Good uh, Lord. I have a so question let me ask for you. you. Let me ask you. Uh, okay, you oh, ask go, me. Go. Uh, no, 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 yes. no, 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 because mine's going to go down a very narcissistic path. You ask me first. <laughs> it's all right. It doesn't matter, bro. Well, I, now I want to know what your question was. What was yours? I'll remember mine. My my question my question to you is like, you know, um, so you went from Marcelo's to what was the place you went to? The What was the guy's name again? Uh, Henzo, Henzo Los Angeles. Uh, Henzo Grace. Oh, right? Sean Williams. Then, yeah. 
Sean Williams. That's what I was thinking about. I thought that was Hollywood. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. probably was. Anyway, what I'm saying is, so 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 now you're 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 tenth planet Tucson guy, right? Uh, kind of. I'm like sort of bouncing around places here. Uh, everything's like very yeah. far away from me. Um, there's a Marcelo affiliate here that I really like as well. Uh, um, so like right now it's like, I feel like I've really been welcomed into the 10th planet family. Like I became really close yeah. to like geo and a bunch of other guys kind of around the country. Um, but like even my style, like I'm not a 10th planet guy um uh like i still play marcello's game i just love everything that 10th planet stands for isn't it amazing right yeah and i'm and i'm including the 10th planet here you know like burchak is um mma based wrestler based but has a great 10th planet game um right then you know geo and boogie play their way and eddie plays his way and you know uh you're like you're with denny who like had a, like i think like a strong wrestling background and um i love the fact that 10th planet is pretty much like just be creative, um, no matter where that is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and especially I, I was really drawn to geo and boogie. Like I almost moved to San Diego after a breakup just to train, even though I'm like 38. Um, because <laughs> just because I love that freak show moniker that they run under, I just think is so fucking yeah. dope. And it's like, you know, on my podcast, I call them misfits. Um, I've always yeah, been yeah, attracted yeah, yeah, yeah. to that kind of like, outcast uh vibe um totally so yeah that's kind of my 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 10th planet spiel all right i have to ask you a question yeah, though man, no. and I, I like that we're yes. bouncing between like jujitsu and like other art stuff um because yeah, you, you're in a jujitsu mode and i'm totally in a music mode so this is a good balance <laughs> okay so here's my question Excellent. for you Go, so sir. the only show in recent history mm-hmm. that i remember enjoying mm-hmm. as a stand-up mm-hmm. Uh, was when I got to perform before Talib Kweli and he brought me out. Um, yes. it, it was fucking insane. It was one of the best nights of my life. Um, that's fucking crazy. Dude, the, my cat who I lost, I adopt, I don't think I told Talib this cause it's so creepy. Mm. I, uh, I adopted him the next day and that's why his name was Talib Kitty. <laughs> Oh, that's dope. Yeah. It was like Yo. the best. I posted, uh, Talib follows me on Twitter. I don't think he follows me on Instagram, but I posted like the picture of me and Talib, like after I lost my, my, my dude. Is, and I was just like, respect like to, to the OG. Yes. <laughs> and so, that's uh, tight. so man, just the audience was incredible. The, um, the other rappers on the show, like Styles P, uh, who just sent me his, right. yeah, he just sent me his fucking phone number today. So I'm going to have him on my podcast. Um, Bonkers. Like, and I mean, this was probably like, this is like th- fucking three years ago. This is a long time. Um, and right. so, but I love being around musicians and musicians. It's very right. similar to jujitsu and it's very similar to uh improv so not stand-up but like with like amy poehler and tina fey like where they come from where it's like we need each other to build something we're all learning under quarantine you can't fucking do jujitsu by yourself right uh so you go crazy and you make (laughs) instagram sketches which is what i'm doing and so like so i need you if we're going to create jujitsu i you know even and and music there's a vulnerability in music and jujitsu 
you know, even like hip hop and punk where like people are like, yeah. you know, a lot of them will put on like, you know, a, a hard, they're hard dudes. Right. But there yep. is a fucking romantic vulnerability about looking another dude in the eye while you are both stomping your feet to the same fucking rhythm, making music that <laughs> is, uh, 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 essential for the other person. Like you are like legitimately, and it's the same with jujitsu. Like you're fighting each other, but there is also like this, like bro brother in arms fucking connection that is yep. happening right now or in that moment. Yep. And so like, whether you're making music with someone or doing jujitsu, there is something very powerful, uh, about that Agreed. connection. And it is strong with stand up. It is almost revered to be a dick, to be a loner and to be miserable. Right. And so right. hanging out with musicians, we are just talking about, like, Talib was telling me, like, Jay-Z stories that I almost, like, fucking blacked out at that point. Like, I don't remember a word he was saying because I was just, like, in my head, I'm like, Talib Kweli is telling me a story about Jay-Z. This is the fucking dopest shit that's ever happened to me. And, like, I was just, like, staring at my girlfriend at the time, like, what's happening? And, yeah. uh, and, and, and I just fucking loved it where, like, a lot of times – and this isn't everybody, you know, like Rogan treats his posse so well and like they wouldn't have podcasts right. without him. And like, I love seeing stuff like that, but man, I can't tell you the amount of times, even someone opening for me who doesn't even have a career. If I'm like, Oh my God, did you see like the new John Mulaney special? That was so funny. Uh, they'll be like, Oh, he's like overrated. It's like, it, it's that bullshit hipster thing where you have to like, yeah, you can't just gush. And every time, even, even every time I watch some like, YouTube hip hop documentary. It is just people yeah. blowing up other artists. It is so fucking cool. So, yep. On top- no, I think that's just fucking crucial. Yeah, dude. So that's why I'm attracted to the scene. Now, here's something that I haven't told pretty much anybody. If go, if you watch my old stand up, my old stand up, um, like when I started to get on TV. Uh, so I had like right. stand up records where I was just like drunk and trying to be like edgy and like Bill Hicks and shit like that. But the 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 two, right. the two things I did on TV that blew up were I went on this show called The Green Room and I did this rant about gay rights, and then I uh, and then I went on Conan. And if anyone is wondering, I am no longer allowed on Conan. Um, and I did <laughs> this insane rant about drone strikes and war crimes and uh, racism and Islamophobia. Right, and, right, right. And, uh, you know, journalists were like blowing it up the next day. But like my manager was pissed. Like everybody was mad. <laughs> you know, you kind of fucked up when your manager's pissed. Bro, my manager walked back. This is like my first TV appearance. I was like in <laughs> tears backstage. I was so happy after living out of my car. And he just goes, wow, didn't know that would be so political. And he walked out. Uh, and I was just like, Jesus. Ooh. I'm like hugging people backstage. I'm like, I did it. I did something important. So anyway. <laughs> If you watch the, if you watch those two, um, it's not stand up, so it's not uh, set up, set up, right. pause, punchline. It's very bada 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 bada. It's rhythmic. You actually see me stomping my right. my foot, um, and the reason is I came up playing in bands. I wanted to be a musician. The only reason right. I did stand up is because um, my band all went to college. 
I dropped out of high school. I was like, guys, we're going to tour, oh. right? And they're like, we have to go to school. And I'm like, what? But we know what we want to do. We want to play music. They're like, dude, what are you doing? And I didn't sing back then. <laughs> like, I didn't know how to sing or anything. So, like, I was like, all right, well, I have to find another art form where I don't have to rely on other people. Like, that's my romantic uh, origin Dang. story for stand up. It's like, oh, all my friends left. I guess I'll do comedy. Like, of course I'm depressed about it. That's how it started. So, there was a phase after 9 11 in New York City. By by the way, this is like way too much backstory. You can tell me to shut the fuck up. But uh, I'm, no, dude, I, I, this is dope. I, I, Keep I'm like going piecing on. this together. Great. So it's after 9 11, and I, I was starting to yep. do well doing political shit. But after 9 11, it was really hard to do political stuff. So I started to make a living overseas. Like I would go to the UK or Australia, but when I'd get home, I couldn't get booked at the shittiest comedy club. Like, bro, I played the Sydney opera house and could not get booked at like the New York comedy club, which is a shithole. And so that's insane. It was crazy. So I go home, uh, to visit my parents and I'm depressed and I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this was when, uh, I don't know if deaf poetry jam was still on the air, but, uh, it was at least on like HBO was playing it and, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, hosted by most deaf fucking Talib did it at one point, like all this stuff. And when I hear even still to this day, if I make a slam poetry joke, the majority of people think that's like pretentious white girls comparing their vagina to a flower who like are living off of their fucking trust fund. They're like, my vagina is my trust fund that my dad gave me. Um, he works for pharmaceuticals, so I don't shave because I feel bad. Like shit like that. Uh, and it's a whole lot of white fucking grossness and projection. But suddenly I'm watching Deaf Poetry Jam and I'm seeing like, I mean, fucking Kanye did it. Um, and I was like, yeah. oh, this is incredible because I never felt cool enough to like do hip hop or to like even bleed into the hip hop scene. But I'm like, well, I'm right. definitely cool enough for this. And so I started doing poetry slams at the Bowery Poetry Club, at the New York Poets Cafe, and I started winning. Ooh, you went to the New York Poets Cafe? I'm jealous. Bro, I used to win that shit. I'd be like the only white guy. And and I got to tell you, this is going to be the whitest shit I've ever said. So wait, I'm over here daydreaming about a moment I can achieve that. And you're like, yeah, I killed it all the time. And then, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, I, I, again, don't get me wrong. I've lost everything. Uh. Uh, and then this is where <laughs> it's still, but I'm saying like, but like, I am happy, like, fuck man, that's dope. Well, and that's dude, dope. even I haven't talked about this in so long that like, it's making me really happy where, okay. Are you ready for the whitest thing I've ever said in my life? Here it comes. I mean, besides like, Let's go. Uh, unless I was just like reparations and shook my fist, but like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, or like get off my lawn or turn down that jazz music or, or let's start another war or, or we don't need health care. There are wider things, I guess I could say, but this is pretty bad that I will. Ne there yeah. is no fucking audience. 
like a black yeah. on. Like when I yeah. play comedy clubs filled with fucking uptight white people who are ready to like tweet about their outrage. And I think back yeah. when you would kill at the New Yorkians Poets Cafe, dude, people were slamming their fists down on the table. Like it felt like music. <laughs> I, I played, I played a, a bar in Atlanta. It was like some slam some slam venue they did the Atlanta team did it like every Tuesday or something. And there were probably only 25 people there. And I had a rant yeah. about, uh, I used to call it a rant cause I was embarrassed to say a poem, even though I was doing slam poetry. And this is where, right. this is where I'm going to need you afterwards. So there were probably 25 people. And I had this poem about hurricane Katrina and dude, like this fucking black woman, like stood up on the bar doing my P and like, they are treating, poetry like fucking gospel like they're at church yes. and it's, it's the most beautiful yes. fucking thing that I will put that show and I couldn't tell you who booked me the name of the venue again probably 25 is probably even being generous there were probably 20 people there and I will put that shit up against any sold out show that I ever did any TV appearance Fuck. because yeah dude like there was such feeling behind it and so you know, I tried to bring that rant style to stand up. Um, right. And, right. you know, <laughs> I had to be a lot jokier. And then it became doing it to be God instead of for God. It became like suddenly mm. this rant style was like, oh, it was, it was something marketable because like no one else was doing it. And like it just got kind of gross. And then I kind of started, I got embarrassed because uh, people would like tweet about it and uh, like shit on me because it, it didn't make sense there. And so anyway, so where I'm at now is I'm like, I can do whatever I want now. I'm like redefining myself and I'm Isn't that shit beautiful, bro? Yeah, and but but every time I go to write music it it gets very punchline driven and I'm trying to figure out but but the more I dig into hip hop, the more I'm like, God, there are people who would even call like I, I listened to I heard you got shouted out. Uh, Chuck D did this amazing mm -hmm. interview on Talib's podcast. Was that crazy though? Was that that was one of the craziest dude moments of my recent life, I'm, bro? It was so yes, fucking cool and like uh, and the interview was amazing and I've never heard. I know Talib's. Just killing it. Dude, so I, 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 I'm listening to every single one of the podcasts. Like, it's so good. And and, yeah. and Chuck fucking Beast. killed it. And it was interesting when he was talking about him and Flavor Flav's dynamic where he was saying how Flav would get their punchlines. And I'm like, oh, they call them punchlines. I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah. Because when I – so playing music, I'm like <sighs> – the idea of doing like comedy music is gross to me. Like I don't like that term. You just think of a, a cheesy prop comic doing song parodies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I'm like, well, I could do the rants again, but I, I just associate those rants with like failure. And I'm like, well, like what I'm trying to figure out is am I using comedy as a safety blanket because the songs are funny or is there a way to use comedy to actually stand out, which is what I did in the slam poetry world. That's why I did well there. Um, but I have so much baggage from my past being like, oh, well, if I'm doing a rant, that means I'm a slam poet or if I'm being funny, that means I'm a comedian. 
or like right. music or my music career in general fucking flopped. And so this is kind of what I'm trying to figure out. Like, do I just get rid of all the labels and just try to write? Because anytime I write something serious, I cringe. And I don't know if that's because I had comedy for so long and comics would yell at people who were kind of like, or make fun of people who were like authentic. So anyway, dude, that was Mm, my very long, this is everything I've been thinking about for the last uh, three weeks. Fix me. No, dude. I mean, you know, it's deep, right? And, you know, it's a lot. My, my, my gut says in the moment, right, that like, as long as you're really trying to be your authentic self, it really doesn't matter what you do. Like, seriously, like as long as you're really when when you're in that funny zone, as long as you're authentically there, Mm. you're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're doing your jujitsu thing, like as long as you're being authentic, right? Because I the thing that's that I've been really thinking about is um, you know, again, I just turned fifty. Um, you know, had MRSA twice in five months, and then, you know, a year and a half before that I almost bled to death from a infection. And I'm watching a lot of people run around because of Corona and they're hella scared. And I guess I probably would have been, but now I just think I'm just happy to be here. Corona yes. or not, something's going to take me out. Yep. I'm fucking 50 and I'm black. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, the sands of time are a chugging. Right. <laughs> and so for me, for me, I'm just like, you know what? I don't care if I'm here 50 days or 50 more years, man. I just have to be me. Yeah. And you know what? If I'm being honest, I haven't been wholly phony. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, sometimes people have really fucked up paths and like they they haven't been able to be themselves for so long. Yeah. I mean, dude, that was my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? For me, my situation was once my wife left me, took the kids and I realized I'm in a divorce. After, you know, this is someone I was married to for 23 years. Mm. Okay. Known for 30. Married for 23. I've known him one half my life. Jeez. Yeah. So when you're coming out of a thing where half your, more than half your life is with this person. And then you're like, on Saturdays normally, you know, go pick my son up from college because he's going to college locally. Take my daughters to go do A, B, or C, maybe hit some jujitsu, teach some chess. And now you're like, motherfucker, you don't have shit to do on Saturday. Mm. What 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 are you gonna do? Right. And that's when you start figuring out like, who are you? Yes. Who are you? And it's really it really gnaws at you. It gnaws into you like a fucking rat. Do you know what I'm saying? Dude, you're just like but, but you what, can't but, shake it. But what you did is I think more rare than you actually give yourself credit for because those are the moments where, and I mean, look, mine was fucking really bad too. I didn't have kids, but yeah. I lost all my friends. Like again, yeah. yeah, like the divorce, like we were together for 12 years. People were saying shit about me that like wasn't true. Like I like, yeah, I, like that's happening here too. Like all <laughs> the stuff. And I've seen people who have been through similar situations um, and they yeah. get fucking bitter and they make it like, and it, I, I can't be around it. You know, like I had women nah, like lie about me and people were like, 
so like, yeah, like, f- like fuck women, right? I'm like, no, like I can't get to that <laughs> like- point. And like, and by the way, dude, like you can, that's a very marketable, profitable path to take right now. Right. And I'm like, um, and it's just like, again, it's not authentic. It's not who I am. And so I yeah. had a moment and it sounds like you had the same moment where I go, all right, well, I either kill myself uh, or <laughs> which was option a, <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, I was Googling it. Like I talked about it on Rogan's and shit. Like it was bad. And, uh, Dude. or, or I become the best version of myself that I've ever been. And it sounds like you did the same thing. Or, now I will say like, I threw myself into jujitsu and, and stuff like that. And you know, I, I, right. I, I did, I mean the, the last, however many years, five years have been the best five years of my life, even though the brokest I've been, the you know, all this shit, but right. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like now I feel like I was definitely becoming the best version of myself where I was learning how to meditate, to be healthy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I went back to being vegetarian cause I fucking love animals. Like all, all this shit, uh, becoming spiritual. Like, I mean, fuck man, everything. Yeah. But I feel like this last month and actually the quarantine is the first time that I'm being like authentically myself creatively. Um, which is yeah. really fucking You're in cool. such a great zone. Yeah. And it's You're like, in such it, a great zone. It's man. the first time I haven't cared like I asked you, I went on that rant about like, what do I do? Can comedy uh, be yeah. music without being cheesy? By the way, that was the actual question. I know I gave you my life story, but it was, can comedy exist in music <laughs> without being corny? Um, but it's the, f- but I'm asking you that because you're my friend who I respect. Yeah. But like, absolutely. honestly, like even if you were like, nah, it can't, I'm like, cool. I'm still probably going to do it. Um, like it's the, like, no. the, like the sketches so, uh, are a good example of like, I'm like, I just don't give a fuck. And people love them i think because i don't give a fuck you know yeah i think that i think that like because i'm 50 which basically means in black years i'm 200 (laughs) you know i have to (laughs) you get a little plaque i have to (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) i need to take these last years and be exactly who i've always wanted to be you know and and i mentioned this i think on on one show before uh, that i was talking about like what I realized after she left me and everything collapsed was that I was not who I thought I was, mm. that I was more of who I thought I was. Yeah. I wanted more jujitsu, more philosophy, more spirituality. Yes. Right? Like I you know how like you know how like a, a couple will break up and then like um you know, two weeks later, he's driving around in a fucking IROC from nineteen eighty five and shit. Yeah, he's driving. He's got some chick in the car and you're like <laughs> What happened to this dude? Yeah. And he's dressing hella different. And he's like, I'm going to go to the club, bros. Yeah. See you later. And you're like, what the fuck yeah, happened? I immediately right? pulled so like, over for a DUI. <laughs> right. Didn't even make it so to the club. Like, I was <laughs> exactly like I was not that guy. Dude. I was the guy who was like, all right, I need to sit in my room, bro, and just listen to some lo-fi. Mm. And write in my journal until I fall asleep. I, and and, yes. and then I did the bro, exact same thing happen. when my girlfriend left and we, and we, you know, the, the, the girlfriend, uh, the breakup I had in Tucson was like very loving, uh, antithetical right. to what I went through before. Um, 
And right. we realized we both just needed each other to get the fuck out of LA, you know? And but it wasn't right. <laughs> right. Uh, and right. the first thing that happened. I mean, I'm trying to be fucking like almost celibate for the year, at least not date, because I've never been by myself. And the first time, the the first thing that happened when she left, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to go get laid. Like, oh, this chick's been eyeing me in jujitsu. I'm going to slip into her DMs. Like, it wasn't any of that. It was dope. I can wake up at five in the morning now. It was, I can meditate now without feeling bad that I'm not cuddling. I can read a book in the morning. It was the exact same shit. And now, I mean, I went from being codependent for fucking however many years of my life, decades to now, like I'm having to say no to so many people because I am guarding this time with my fucking life because for the first time in my life, I'm doing, I'm figuring out who I want to be because I, always wanted to just change for a girl not even because they were like you know like bitches make you change like it was my fault it was like me being like i just don't want you to leave so like because i just need somebody to validate me because i had so little fucking (laughs) self-worth Dude, I know, right? It's so real. I'm not laughing at you. No, it's I know. It's just funny when you when you look in the mirror and you find that part of yourself. Insane. And you're like, whoa. Dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I posted but this I video. Do. Oh, sorry. Go, go, go. Mm-hmm. No, 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 go, go, go. You posted a video. Well, I posted this video about being alone for the first time and it was literally, uh, it was called, I, I, I did, I was alone, uh, and did mushrooms on Valentine's day and it was the best day of my life or something. And I had so many epiphanies where like, I was so afraid to be alone for so, so long. I mean, here's something you can relate to with music. I never used to see concerts mm. alone. And the first time I went to a concert alone, you know, cause people usually go, Oh, I don't want to go to this show alone. I don't want to see stand up alone. I don't want to go to a movie alone. I'm going to feel like a yeah, loser. Yeah, yeah. Word, 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 word. And it is the first concert I went through by myself. I felt so dumb and it was the most fucking powerful experience I ever had in my life because I realized that even when I was seeing music, this beautiful thing, I was so codependent with these yep. girls that I would be like, are you having a good time? Do you need anything? Do you like it? Do you? And yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. even be you need pre- napkins? present. Yes, dude. And I couldn't just enjoy music for music. And the first time I saw it, music by myself, where I didn't have to ask someone, do you like this? Which is essentially saying, can right? I like this? I just yeah. loved it. And man, I, I honestly think being alone is why I'm finding my voice creatively. Because again, these women weren't holding me back. But if I had someone in the house, I would always have to be like well do you like it what do you think people will think whatever and now i'm like you know maybe it's me going crazy and having like a mental breakdown but i'm like i'm just making it's it's, it's an upswing buddy you're doing good thank you pal (laughs) so what's true no it's true do you think comedy i mean i think this man so here's the deal of course like you know when you think of like music comedy you know there's like the the weird owl vibe exactly and you're like ooh, you could you could Cross over into fucking Cornsville hella quick with that shit. And sometimes when the train parks into Cornsville, you can't escape. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like you it, It's be one of mindful. those towns. You say you're just going to stop in Cornsville to like get some gas and maybe like <laughs> yeah, cut your drive exactly. in half. And then suddenly you got a fucking full time job in Cornsville and you have a little Cornsville you know wife. And you're and trying like, to pay rent in a double wide. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're just like, yo, I can't get out. <laughs> but like, but like, 
like, um, in fact, there was a guy, I'll tell you, like, in the, in the realm of comedic records that I actually loved, there was a guy, old school hip hop guy named Bobby Jimmy and the Critters. Yeah, okay. They did the funniest hip hop comedy spoof shit ever, dude. Oh my God. And I always felt like if any black guy just, just got boxed out because he was black, because like he would have been the black weird out. Right. And I just don't think the world was ready for one. That's so You know what funny. I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I think there's a <laughs> difference. He, he like just weren't ready. Yeah, because I've never wanted to do that. Although, when I did first start writing songs, so not the rants, because the rants, right. like, if you put... So, I mean, here's what happened. Is mm. I was homeless. Uh, I was homeless. And my friend- In pa- New York or LA? Uh, and I was squatting in New York. Um, okay. And the guy, uh, this guy, Paul Provenza, he made this movie, The Aristocrats. And he was the one who discovered me when I was living out of my car. Um, Dang. That gay rights rant uh, that I did on Showtime, it was his show. He was the guy hosting it. Okay, and okay. He, and he goes, hey, you got to come over to this fucking festival, man. Like, stay on my couch. And it was the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, like the biggest arts festival in the world. Okay. And he goes, you know, everyone comes here with their own theater shows, but there are these like late night spots that are like, you know, they have different comics and stuff like that. And he was like, I'll get you on a couple of those and let's just get you in front of people. Uh, you'll make no money. Right. And I go, okay. Um, and I stayed on his couch and, uh, I get to the show and it's all just very straight standups. Like, Hey, where are you from? Like shit like that. And it's three in the morning, about 600 people drunk Scottish <laughs> and <laughs> Paul and I go, Paul goes, you got to do one of your rants. And I go, Paul, I'm not going to do fucking poetry here. I'm going to get booed off stage. And he goes, no, 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 bro. Like this is different. I know it looks like straight stand up, but like this is a fucking arts festival. This is what people are coming here for. And these rants, I mean, they had maybe four punchlines in them. Uh, wow. total, you know, it was more serious, but I mean, the way I write is always going to be comedic, but like big punchlines, there's probably four and I have two, I have two rants. That's it. And, uh, but he, he goes, but dude, I just think that you're, keep going, keep going. Well, so he, he said, he goes, he goes, he goes, bro, just get up there and do it. And I'm so nervous. And the host is the guy who won the big award that year. Like there's always a a one award winner for this festival. It's very prestigious. And he goes, I don't know who this guy is. I think he's sleeping on Paul's couch. Uh, He like asked, he's like, what's your name? And I was like, it was like an Eminem. It was literally like an Eminem movie moment. And (laughs) dude, I do this first rant and (laughs) I do this first rant and it, it's this, it's it's Atlanta again. It's people fucking right. cheering and stomping and standing. No shit. It's insane. So then my second rant has no punchlines, like no big applause break lines. Right. And it's, it's just, just, yeah, you're and, just going. Yeah. And it's all about how the, the corporatization of music and it's these shout outs to Hendrix and fucking Miles Davis and like what mu- compared to what music has like become. And right. again, there's no big punchlines, but like it's, it's written the way I write. So it's like cold lines towards like modern music while talking about Hendrix and stuff. And the DJ 
slowly starts putting on this instrumental music. We did not plan this during it. Um, so there's this band called explosions in the sky, which has like really pretty melodic, um, instrumental music. It's like the, they, they did the theme for like Friday night lights. It's like very that it's like a big build, 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 build. And right. long story short, like the place goes fucking ape shit. It was like we planned it. You marked it. Standing ovation. Host comes, puts me on his fucking shoulders. Literally, this guy comes up to me, this big, like six foot Dutch guy, and he goes, What are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, being homeless. And he was like, All right, we're gonna fly you to Amsterdam. I got flown because Tony Woods like couldn't get into the country or something. It's <laughs> so fucking bonkers. I, so I got flown to do this music festival called the Lowlands Music Festival. I go from being homeless to being on stage watching the arc. Uh, watching Tool with members of the Arcade Fire, like Chris Cornell's there, bad relief. Like it was fucking nuts. It was fucking nuts. But then when I tried to recreate that and do right. those rants at comedy clubs, it was just like, bro, awkward at best. But it's what I did mm. when I got up on stage with Talib. And so, like, I do. So, what I wonder is. You know, can I kind of bring that? Because I'm look, I'm not a hip hop guy. I'm not going to be a right guy or a, a white guy trying to rap. Every time I, I even have, uh, I like slant rhymes a lot. But every time I have right, rhymes right, right. like on like the two and four line, like I feel corny because I just don't think it's authentic to me. Um, right. But I do wonder if there's a way to like bring all these styles together where it's like it's not punchline heavy, but it's not hip hop, and maybe there's like melodies in the back. And like be like I don't know Um, I think the thing is Like me being confident Enough to like be like you don't have to fit In a box dude like you don't Have to be you know what some of it could be could I be Honest yes some of this I think like if you Made videos based on some of this stuff Like what do you mean would be dope Like uh, like Like what would it look like if you made music videos Like if you did a rant that it wasn't Just necessarily maybe there's Animation to it. Maybe there's something oh, that yeah, that helps totally. someone see the situation. Yeah. To see what you're saying. Bro, because I think it's a great idea. Like I think it's a great idea. Well, and you know and I think in this time more than ever, because there's so much technology and there's so many different platforms to connect with people on. Well, that that's what's cool. It would be very these, hard like, for you to do this wrong runs. right now. Yeah. Like you can kind of just like put out a song on like Instagram and it's like, do people like it? And if not, it doesn't matter. Um, you're not like building yeah. a record off it. I wonder Yeah, and then if you wake up one day and you're Nas X, then it's good anyway. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. Because you were yourself. Look how he put that out and he just sat, bro, and then one day boing, and then he's balling. Right, right. So, well, and like, you know, it's interesting too, when I did these rants, they were really political. And so mm. I almost feel like the, the political rage, like masked, I could hide behind that. Whereas like now it's like, if I was going to write a rant, like I'd kind of want to write one about like being suicidal or depression and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, now it's not him yelling about politics. Now it's like a little more fucking vulnerable. And that's where it kind of becomes more musical to me. Like to me, like comedy is about like shitting on things and being vulnerable to a point, but like music is where it's like, and and, and I think, you know, it's, I could always take chances in comedy because I didn't give a shit about comedy where I love music with all of my fucking being that I think I've been afraid of it because 
because I'm like, well, I don't want to fuck up with this thing I actually love. Whereas comedy was just kind of this like whore I was sleeping with. And like, it's like, well, it's fine if that goes to shit, uh, which it did. <laughs> but like <laughs> music is like the person I want to marry, you know? <laughs> That was a very cruel analogy. I just said I didn't get bitter. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I, um, I, I, I totally know what you mean, you know? So, like, where I'm at right now is I have to – so I didn't know who I was after the divorce. Yeah. I took some time to be alone. I didn't hit the clubs. And I had homies that were like, bro, come through. Let's just go to the club. I know. Get you one of these ladies and be like, whoop-de-whoop. And I was just like, man, like, I'm not even that dude. And I remember like, so one day I'm like, fuck it, dude. I'm jumping on Tinder. So I go ahead and and I I, I put everything in a Tinder to the point where you hit the button and you're actually on. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've actually downloaded it. And I said, man, like, are you that guy who's on Tinder for real? Yes. This is your hero's journey. And that's no judgment to anybody. I know. That's nobody. That's no judgment. I got homies on Tinder, Bumble, all of that. You know what I'm saying? A lot of you ladies, you probably met my homeboys already. <laughs> my point is, <laughs> my point is that it wasn't me. So I never downloaded it. Right. Oh, um, good for you, man. I mean, that was the and, most miserable I, just, I was. When I, I, I got to tell you, I felt more lonely when sleeping around on Tinder than I did when I was actually like alone. Like it was, especially in LA, I was on this thing called Raya for a little bit, which is like the celebrity tent. You have to get like approved and like, you have to get like some like people to vouch for it. Like it's damn, that's cool. No, it's not. It's so much worse because the girls are so hot that they don't, you don't need to put a bio. Like no one's even trying to be like, this is, (laughs) these are my interests. It's just like famous people try it. It was horrific. Um, and if it, it, it was, so and what's it called again? Like, I don't think I'm worthy of it, Raya. but it's a crazy ass it's, thing. It's R a Y a. Yeah. It might be easier to That's get insane. on. Dude, it was insane. Uh, it may be, can I just tell you, Go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just like, I'm so glad you didn't cave to it. And, and that's what I told myself because, nah. because I was like, this is the first time I've actually been alone. But in LA, I was like, all right, I tried this. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be alone. Like, I'm not going to be in a relationship. But then you spend all day swiping and obsessing and messaging and flirting with people that that it, it ended up, again, I was less... I was more lonely. Like I, I didn't get to do any of this, like finding myself shit because I was just Dude, trying. To so that's all I did, bro. I'm deep in the Quran. I'm deep in Stoke philosophy, taking a class, DonaldRobertson.com. Yeah. He didn't pay me for that. Um, and, and I'm reading Seneca and I'm reading Marcus Aurelius and I'm reading Sufi texts from, you know, Persian mystics. And I'm really like in, into myself. And then I start working out. I was teaching at Zaytuna College and then I was teaching at um, at the UFC gym in San Bruno. And it, it was like the perfect thing for for a dude who's that down. You know what I mean? Like it was such a big deal. I mean, plus I had a therapist, you know what I mean? Plus I was in codependence anonymous. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we are the same dude. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like it takes a lot to not lean in front of that BART train in the morning. Yeah, man. People don't think about that. I know. You know what I'm saying? It takes a lot to not do that shit. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, like at my lowest, I remember like I was going to hang myself, uh, 
and in my apartment because my my ex-wife had left she took the kids and yep. she wasn't talking to me and shit and it was really i was like man that's it i'm gonna fucking kill myself so i'm like all right you know what i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm just slip my wrist real quick and call it and then you know why i didn't slip my wrist bro huh because i was afraid i would make the place dirty oh and I didn't want to be a problem for somebody in my death to clean up. Still codependent, even while trying to kill yourself. All right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. I mean, mine's, mine's so more embarrassing. I'm like, fuck, dude. Yeah. I don't think yours is more embarrassing, but continue. No, well, you were at least, we're you, were, you were considerate. <laughs> you were considerate to other people. Mine was, I was looking at like diagrams on how to tie the knot and I couldn't fucking figure it yeah. out. And I was like, yo, I got kicked out of Cub Scouts. Like, and I'm watching, I'm like looking at this and I was just like, oh, this is so pathetic. I can't kill myself, right? Like, I don't know how to tie this fucking knot. Yeah. Where I'm like, I would be the guy who like falls through the fucking noose and then breaks both of his legs. <laughs> And then has to try to like wheel himself into traffic like the next couple of years. It would have been a fucking mess. But like, man, and, and this is what I'll say because we oh, said we were going to. My head is hurting, we, bro. We, we did like an hour longer than we said we were going to do. So he, <laughs> these are my final words. <laughs> my final words to your but audience. My- <laughs> But uh, just about the suicide. Well, actually, because I'll forget. Uh, please check out my podcast. It's jamiekilsteinpodcast.com. And then. Uh, yes. Go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on IG. IG. Yeah. You do the dope IG bitch. Instagram is at the Jamie Kilstein. For jujitsu people, the jujitsu podcast is Rear Naked Radio. Those are my those are my plugs. Um, so the last thing I want to say with the suicide stuff, it's like. You know, people listening may like me, they may not. Uh, people listening definitely like you. And I think that when they hear when they hear us talk about it, it's like, it's always the people, like, look, the person that was closest to me that killed myself, killed himself was fucking Robin Williams, right? And like, we, uh, we know how much right. he, he meant to everybody. He meant so much to me. And I think a lot of us have lost people who were really great people. And a lot of times the, the ones who are suicidal or who are depressed are the ones who feel fucking deeply and who have more empathy and who see things differently. And what I would say to people who are listening, who are struggling is we need more people like you. You think Mike Pence ever thinks about fucking killing himself? No, that guy is confident as shit and is going to (laughs) be around forever. If someone... Fucking the, the dude who screams free bird at concerts and then like speeds all over the road. Like that guy's not speeding to kill himself. He's going to cryotherapy or a vegan restaurant. Cause he wants to live for fucking ever. Like <clears throat> we need more creative fucking sad weirdos. And I know it's hard, but like in this day and age, man, like I want more people who feel deeply and who can show compassion and empathy. And I know it's fucking tough, dude, but like if you push through, you will help so many fucking people like to everybody listening. Like we need more artists and weirdos. And like, that's kind of like my final plea, uh, to, to, dude, it's so real, especially in the lockdown bro yeah man right like especially in the lockdown man because you know that inner journey is all it's about so like i spent a long time going in and then i could be human because like i wasn't really fit to date Mm. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would have been, like, a dating nightmare. And to be honest, dude, I was married in 1995, bro. Damn. I was. Do you know how unprepared? In eighth grade. That's <laughs> you were insane. Three? I, was in, yeah. I was in eighth grade then, so I think. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so like I, I was not built for dating. Right. Do you understand? Yeah. Like, I, I you know, uh, I think I got married, you know, the internet was still young, kind of, mm. you know, and I'm not ready to date on it. And um, after taking my time dating no one on a crazy thing, I met somebody absolutely amazing. And, you know, like, you know, who knows what the future will bring? I just know what my intent is from where I'm at right now. Yeah. But, like, listen, man, like, all you got to do is just chill and be your authentic self, and you'll be happy. Your music, your comedy, all of that will be reflected. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like, don't attach yourself to the construct of the music industry the the, the, the the comedy industry because all of those things are changing because of right now. Right. Right? Whatever comedy was for you, for you before, it will never be again. It'll be similar, possibly, but in a post-COVID, like, it's just weird. Right. Right? So as the, as the revenue streams change and as the business models change, it is the perfect time for someone to bring something new mm. forward. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether it's a rant. It doesn't matter whether it's a skit. It doesn't matter whether it's um, jujitsu instructionals. Right. As long as it's who you are, you should just do it, bro. Oh. Because I think that at the end of the day, I, I found an old lecture that I did on hip hop and Islam at Dickinson College, which is the oldest country in America. I think it's actually older than America. I think Dickinson was actually founded before Holy shit. Um, the Constitution was signed. And so I was giving a talk there on hip hop and Islam. And, um, you know, like, I just remember that was one of my greatest talks because I was coming from like the purest place mm. in that moment. I was just being really sincere. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and when I look back to my best moments, whether it's a piece that I wrote, whether it's a college talk that I gave, it's always when I'm just being my most authentic self. And if you're going to live a life, if COVID has taught you nothing, man, just be yourself because you're going to die anyway. Totally. That's the reality. You're going to die. You know, I remember going past a, um, a, a, a graveyard in Oakland. It was an old graveyard. Like most of the headstones didn't even have writing on them because they were so weather beaten. Jeez. Like think how long that has to take with polished marble. Right? It's a long time. Yeah. And I remember looking in the graveyard and I was just like, I wonder how many people in this graveyard were worried about the opinions of someone else in this graveyard. <laughs> you know, did they die worrying about the opinions of somebody who's in the far left corner? Fuck. You know, like, dude, like you have to live your life. Bro, yeah, man. For everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, and that's that's all that I'm doing right now because um at fifty, after one near death experiences, MRSA twice in six months and you know what I mean? Now it's COVID, bro. I'm a, I'm gonna do exactly 
what I want. I'm going to be with who I want to be with. You're going to get that fucking plaque that I want. Yep. Fuck yeah, dude. That's it. Well, brother, listen, I am so proud of you and I, I, you know, it's very hard to not believe in some kind of higher power, uh, when, uh, people are put back into your life. So, fucking clearly at the right time for the right reasons you know it, it sounds yeah. like we're, we're very much yeah uh in a similar place and so uh you know obviously let me know when the podcast comes up and i'll like hype it up and stuff but i i'm saving your number and i hope that we uh can just be like fucking friend friends real friends yeah nah that's gonna that's that's gonna be my plan as well man and uh you know i appreciate you for coming on bishop chronicles and 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 sharing your journey and your philosophy and your story with 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 my listeners you know because like it's an important time for us to to be authentically who we are yeah teacher what style is that Bishop Chronicles. You must learn.